It's good to be with you today. It's good to be in the beautiful community called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, that title of the message comes from a book entitled The Beautiful Community. And we really are a beautiful community because we are the bride of Christ. And I dare anybody to say that the bride of Christ is ugly. We are the bride of Christ. We belong to him. We've been cleansed. We've been regenerated. And sometimes we may act ugly, but we are the beautiful community of Christ. And that's the challenge for all of us to live up to is because the church and Christ are one. You can't separate one from, from the other. Our text today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you'll follow along in the reading there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 12 to 14, and then we're going to skip over to verse 27. The church in the Bible is pictured as several images. One as an army that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. The church is also pictured as a family, as we mentioned last Sunday, the household of faith. It is referred to here in this passage as a bride, the bride of Christ, Ephesians chapter 5, and then 1 Corinthians 12 as the body of Christ. So the church is not this building, it's not this place, the ground we're on, nor an event that happens. The church is life, life as we live it together as followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 12 says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And then verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through the Word of God as studied and discerned by your Holy Spirit. And Father, speak, speak through the stuttering preacher. And Father, may we hear a fresh word from the Lord today. May we hear a word of correction. May we hear a word of challenge. May we hear a word of encouragement and a word of comfort as well. Guide our thoughts. Help us to be united in Christ, though diverse we are, so that we may complete the mission that you have given the church to reach the lost and disciple those who are saved. Pray all this in Jesus' name, who is the head of the church. Amen. Today's uh, message has three simple points. As we talk about the, community, the beautiful community of Christ, we are all necessary parts of the whole. None of us are insignificant. And yet we are different, but we still work together so that we might accomplish the mission of Christ. And as we work together, we are guided by the biblical foundation of what true love really, really is. So let's talk a little bit about the necessary parts of the whole. 
everyone in the body of Christ is necessary. We are needed and necessary in order to complete the mission that God has given to us. So in this body of Christ, there is unity and there is diversity. And Paul speaks about both in this passage of Scripture. When he talks about unity, he talks about our unity in Christ. Now hear that very carefully because we live in a day where many, many people are divorcing the church. Uh, I was hurt by a relationship experience or a conflict or something the preacher said or whatever at church. And so I went home and, and then COVID happened and I didn't come back. And I learned that I could watch church on TV or live stream and I don't need those people down there at Ekron Baptist Church or any other church that you might want to name. So in our imagination, we have redefined what the church really is. We've decided that the church is a they, those people over there that I no longer associate with. But what about your relationship to Christ? Oh, we're good. Me and the Lord, we got our own thing going. Uh, I'm right with the Lord and everything's fine between me and Christ. The truth is, no, it's not. It's really not. If you have divorced the church, you have divorced Christ. If you have divorced the church, you have divorced Christ. You have separated yourself from Him. Because there's no distinction between the bride and the bridegroom. We are the body of Christ we might be like the ear, we might be like the hand, we might be like the arm or the leg or the toe. But we are the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. Where he leads us, that's where we go. Where he turns us, that's where we turn. The human body is responsive to the head, the brain. The muscles that you have, are trained through the brain first before they even respond. And so the body of Christ is, is dependent upon the head of the church, that is Jesus Christ. And you cannot say, I have no need of the foot. Paul said you can't, the foot can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. The hand can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. Because we are the body of Christ. So if you are, perhaps I'm speaking to the choir here, but if you know someone else who has divorced themselves from the church, invite them to a relationship with Christ. Invite them to join you in worship with the Lord Jesus Christ so that we will correct that misunderstanding that we can somehow be divorced from the church and still have a right relationship with God. Now, here's what I find. Robert, two Sundays ago, I picked up that glass of water and stuck the microphone in it. Cost the church $50 for that one drink of water. That's what the mics cost. All right, so to be connected, to, to, to think that I'm disconnected from the church but not Christ is a myth. But here's what I find. 
when people are truly in the Word of God, when people are truly praying to the Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the people that have a sweet fellowship with the risen Lord and not only say I'm right with God, but I'm doing what God wants me to do with my life. I'm on mission. And I know my assignment. You know what I find about that, those people? They can't wait to go to church. They can't wait to be with God's people. They love to be with God's people. So when I hear people say, I'm not a part of that church, I don't go to church anymore, then you have a problem in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's time to examine that relationship with Christ. Well, you say those people at that church, they don't get along. There's conflict. Well, folks, <clears throat> that's how we got our Bible. That's how we got our Bible. Every book of the Bible addresses uh, conflict, problems, disunity, heresy, immorality, strange doctrine, uh, discouragement. Every book of the Bible addresses those issues. So yeah, we are the army of God and we're trying to put on the, uh, the battle gear that he has us to wear. Yes, we are the family of God and the household of faith and we fuss sometimes like family and we love each other sometimes like family. Yes, we are the bride of Christ and we, we shine forth in the world. But folks, when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for the church. He's coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we seek to be unified even though we are diverse. Yes, we are diverse. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Uniformity means we're all just alike. Uh, in Meade County, do you all have to wear, do you guys have to wear uniforms to school? You don't. Well, we do in Louisville. And when the students come to school, they all look just like. When I visited in Africa, went to Kenya, all the students had to wear uniforms, okay? And so they looked just alike. When I served in the Air Force, everybody looked just alike. But we were all diverse, and we were all different. Unity does not mean uniformity, okay? And wouldn't it be a boring world if everybody here was like me? Wouldn't it be a boring church if everybody here... Amen's a little strong over here in this corner. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Well, as Paul talks about the analogy of the church being a body, the hands, the eyes, the feet, all these different uh, parts of our human body serve different functions. And so you and I, in our diversity, blessed with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit dwells in every member of the, of the body of Christ, blessed with the Holy Spirit, we have different ministries that God has assigned us and wants us to do. Verse 6, he says, uh, uh, 5 rather, there are various ministries in the same Lord, and there are various, various effects but the same God who works all things in all persons. So God is giving us different functions within the body of Christ, even though we are diverse. And God loves diversity. In fact, I heard a speaker say this one time, and I agree with him the more I think about it. He said, diversity is God's idea. Think about that. 
the different races of the world, the different languages of the world, uh, the different beautiful beauty of the world, uh, whether, it, whether it be flowers, whether it be persons, or whether it be food. You know, God loves diversity. And when our diversity works together to serve our mission, Christ, we are in the beautiful community of the Lord. So, while we are different, we still work together. In the word team, there is no letter I. And that's the first key to understand my role, my function in the church. It's not about me. Everybody's not here for me. All that we do is not for me. It's for those who do not know the Lord. One uh, writer said one time, worship exists, or worship does not exist because, uh, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up. Missions exist where worship does not. Missions exist where worship does not exist. And that's the purpose of our church. So that we will go out from this place and serve him in the mission of Christ. We have been assigned the mission by Jesus just as he was assigned the mission by his Father in heaven as well. Jesus did not come to earth from heaven for his own sake, and neither does the church exist to, for, to self-perpetuate either. We exist for the salvation of the lost world around us. So if you're a Christian, church is not something you go to. It's something you are as you leave this place and go out into the world. Someone said consumer Christianity, which is how we live today, will one day die because it will implode. But out of that implosion will come a small group of dedicated disciples who are continuing to be on mission for Christ. Now that is why discipleship is so important in the church. Bible study in small groups. In that Bible study we call Sunday school here, there are five purposes of the church that we accomplish. There's an experience of worship. There's an experience of fellowship. There's an experience of Bible study. There's an experience of ministry. And there's an experience of evangelism and reaching out to the world around us. Everyone in the body of Christ has this assignment for the common good. Not for my good, but for the good of others. As he said in verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Much like an orchestra, when an orchestra plays, every member of that orchestra has a sheet assignment. But that sheet assignment is part of a larger piece of music that the conductor has in his possession as he directs the orchestra. And so whether you play the violin or the trombone or the drums or whatever instrument, when you play your sheet assignment, it makes a beautiful, beautiful music. That's the way the church is. Now my question today is, what's your assignment? Do you know what your assignment is? Have you been open to an assignment of the, of the Lord? None of us are self-sufficient. We all need each other. None of us are able to say, I have no need of you. We are to make beautiful music, reaching the lost with the gospel. In fact, the Bible says when one soul comes to faith in Jesus Christ, all of heaven rejoices. 
because of that beautiful soul that's been won to faith in Christ Jesus and is going to live forever and forever and forever. Now, as we work together, we have a guideline. And that guideline is the biblical foundation of love. Not love as I define love, but love as the Bible defines love. Here the Apostle Paul in chapter 5, verse 25 said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what love does. Love sacrifices self for the good of another. What are you giving, what are you sacrificing for the good of the church? In the consumer mentality that we have these days, we, we, we have this notion that I came here to get. I came here to get my kind of music. I came here to get my kind of preaching. I came here to get my kind of, be around my kind of people. But in the Christian faith, the church is a gathering of people who are getting equipped and getting trained while we're here. And as we're getting trained while we're here, we go out on our assignment and on our mission for Christ. And when we go out on this mission for Christ, we are enabled by the Holy Spirit. And when we gather back together on Sunday morning, we don't really count how many were in Sunday school. We do. We had 149 today, praise the Lord. But the 149 in Sunday school is not our goal. Uh, last Sunday we had 100, 195 in church, I think, that, that attended. But having that figure, that number in church is not our goal. Right? Are you with me? That's what we measure. And Lifeway taught us how to do that. Remember the Sunday school records? Everybody had a little card you filled out and you put your offering in there and you had five things to check. Did you read your Bible? Did you pray? Did you share your testimony? Did you attend Sunday school? Well, sure you did. You, know, you check those five things and that's how we measure the success of our church. But that's not how the Bible measures the success of our church. The success of our church is measured in the number of times you leave this place and have a gospel conversation out there. The measure of our church is how you leave this congregation on Sunday morning and you seek to be reconciled with someone that you're not getting along with. The measure of success of our church is when you leave this place and you go out there and you lead a Bible study in your home. You see the point? And so for a long time we have measured how many are here as being our success. How many leave here and minister is, our, is the measure of our success. Does that make sense? And so we gather to be equipped. Peter writes in his book, uh, chapter, his letter, chapter 1, verse 22, Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And I'm telling you, conflict is a way of being challenged for heart growth. To become more and more like Jesus Christ. And of all places to experience grace and to illustrate what grace living is like, it should be in the body of Christ. In other words, by what I mean by that is when people attend our congregation and, and we're being watched all the time. We really are. Our neighbors are watching us very closely. People are wanting to know who are those folks, what are they about. 
When they learn that there's grace in the fellowship of this church, that's the very grace that they're searching for in their life too. They're searching for it in their life too. They may not attend church, but they are miserable. And I find that people who are not serving the Lord and haven't found their purpose in the church, who are not on track with God's mission for their life, are some of the most miserable people in the world. They may have a lot of stuff. They may have a lot of things. They may go to a lot of places. They may have a lot of, of the world around them, but they're still searching. And there's an emptiness in here. Those who have found their mission for Christ, it's a beautiful community to be a, a, a part of. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, Paul writes, Love endures long and is patient and is kind. That's the grace the world is searching for, but cannot find in the world nor from the things of the world. But let us be a beautiful community to illustrate to the world that this is what compassion and long-suffering love is all about. So we are guided by this biblical foundation called love. That's how we do business. That's the measure of Christ in the church of Christ. So we need to make some steps forward. Be sure that we have Christian leaders. We are to lead as Christ led. Jesus led by having compassion for those that were hurting he led by reaching out to the lost and even gave the illustration of leaving the 99 found and went to the one sheep that was lost. Jesus led by being humble to serve his disciples. He says, as I've washed your feet, you're to wash one another's feet as well. Jesus uh, led by being bold enough to defend the truth of the gospel. And his confrontations with the Pharisees and Sadducees who were biblically trained but were illiterate in understanding who God was. And Jesus, Jesus did everything he could to defend the truth of the gospel. Now, I don't know how you feel about Ekron. And sometimes we have, we have the temptation to compare ourselves to other churches around us. But let's not do that. Uh, it's so easy to say, yeah, but they're doing this and they have so many coming and they're doing that and they're not getting along well and we may be doing better than that. We cannot compare ourselves to how another church is doing. We just cannot do that. You know, somebody else, a um, guy named Jared Wilson wrote, somebody else or another church will always have a better coffee. <laughs> another church may have a different kind of uh, music. Their facilities may be better than ours. Their speaker may be the, better than the stuttering one in front of you. But when we showcase Christ and the gospel, no one, he said, can improve on that. And that has nothing to do with the size of our crowd. It has everything to do with the spiritual growth of the people that are coming. Christ-centered leadership starts in the pulpit, continuing with those that are elected by the church to serve and to lead. And we'll have a deacon's election coming up in August. And you're to pray sincerely about the, the deacon servants in our church that you will be choosing from. Christ-centered leadership is how we illustrate this biblical foundation called love. Another one is community engagement. 
how are we engaging in the community around us? When the early church met in Acts 2, chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, they did several things together that, com- that engaged the community around them. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship together. They prayed together. They had all things in common. They even sold their belongings and gave to everybody that had need around them. They attended worship in the temple and then from house to house. Now that's my idea in the Bible of how Sunday school got started. That's not really how Baptist Sunday school got started, but that's my idea theologically how uh, kind of the uh, biblical, biblical foundation for Sunday school. We meet in big church here to worship the Lord, but we meet also in small groups. And the early church, they met in the temple, but they also met house to house, small groups. And they studied the apostles' teaching. They had fellowship with each other. They prayed. They ministered to people around them. And what was the result? The Lord added day by day those who were being saved. And that's what he will do in our place as well. So let us love one another, even to the point that it cost us something. If it hasn't cost you anything, then maybe you haven't really shared a deeper love. But when you do, reconciliation takes place. The church moves forward in its assignment. People uh, rejoice at the fellowship that's here. There's a buzz and a hum going on in the, in the household of God when we gather to worship our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Some people think, well, when baby starts crying in church, it bothers the preacher. No, I love to hear that. I'd rather hear a baby crying than some old folks snoring. Now, I really would. I really would. I'd rather hear kids running around here on Wednesday night than not have any kids here at all. That's how I feel about that. Because that's the life of the church. And that's the future of the church as well. So let us be loving not only toward our Lord, but toward each other as well. And we are a witness to the world around us because they don't have that where they live. And that will be the beautiful community of faith. Now, if you're that person here today that's not yet committed your life to Jesus, today is your day of such salvation, to give your life to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, take charge of my life, I surrender my life to you. And those of you that will do that, I'm going to ask you to just come forward during this song, during this invitation, and I'll pray that prayer with you as you commit your life publicly to the Lord. You say, well, that's a private decision. It is, but there needs to be a public acknowledgement. Why do you do that? Well, simply Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before others, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father who's in heaven. At some time in your life, the Lord will challenge you to step forward publicly and say, yes, I'm a believer. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And your public profession of faith along with your baptism is a way of saying to the whole world, I have surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. And that begins when you take those first steps out of that pew and stand right here and we'll pray that prayer together. And everybody and all the angels of heaven will rejoice as well. Maybe God's called you to unite with this church, and so we invite you to come. If you've already been serving the Lord in a sister church and you've already been saved, 
And we invite you to come as well. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Or maybe where you are, there's a little change in direction that you need to make. Let's make that commitment firm while we sing. Let's stand together in the spirit of prayer. Father, we are grateful that you have called us to be your body, your bride, your army, your family. Oh, Lord, we are unworthy of this high honor, but by your grace and by your mercy, we are given this relationship with you and with each other. God is so Lord in this invitation time. May you be glorified by the decisions that are made. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.